Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. Thank you for joining us. After you've finished listening, we'd really love if you give us a rating on Apple Tunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening to us. It helps other listeners find our podcast. Also, we're taking political R&D to the next level. Podcasts will be more frequent. Articles will be published more frequently, too. Additionally, we're adding more contributors to share their view of politics in Alberta, Canada, and the world. As such, we would love if you be a patron of the show. That will help us improve the podcast you enjoy. You can find us at patreon.com slash political R&D. You'll find a link on our website, too. Now, let's get political. Welcome back to Political R&D. I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm Mark Taylor. And today we are discussing what happens to a political party when the leader's personality or brand is bigger and becomes bigger than the actual brand of the party itself. And we're starting federally. Yes, for a change. <laughs> right. So don't worry, we'll bring it, we'll bring it back to uh, the province because, hey, yes. we're Alberta. <laughs> and, and heaven forbid, you know, Alberta can always be, you know, off the rails. So <laughs> can't forget Alberta. You know what so so today's that's... today's episode is called Cult of Personality. Yes. Awesome living <laughs> color guitar riff. If we knew how to put those in and you know not have to pay for it, even better. But yeah, we would so do it. Um, okay, so do you want to start with the greens? Um, I think that'll be a short. It, will that be a shorter conversation than the than the than the CPC? What the guy that that's loathed by Elizabeth May almost as much as she loathes Stephen Harper? <laughs> um, well, I mean, we we could probably interlace the two because as much as Elizabeth May loves to think that she uh, wasn't like Stephen Harper, she was totally like Stephen Harper. <laughs> so they're both well, and there's a lot of uh, what do I want to say? There's a lot of similarities in what's happening in both parties right now because Stephen Harper only stepped down in 2015. Uh, Elizabeth May just stepped down. Was it in 2020 or was it the end of 2019? Uh, October last year. After yeah. the election. No, November. Cause we had this debate on the lockdown. Yes. <laughs> and, and somebody had to go find a device that looks things up on the internet. Who knew, mm-hmm. who knew you could do such things. Right. But, yeah. It was early November of last year that she stepped down. So yes, that's right. Oh, I remember this one now. Um, and, and the other big parallel that's going on right now is that both parties are in a leadership race. Right. So, and, so even though, yeah, even though it wasn't Harper triggered this one, maybe Harper did trigger this one. So. That's right. Yes. And that's, the, that's really what this comes down to is there's a lot of rumors about how involved Stephen Harper still is in that party that he essentially co-founded. Well, yeah, well, absolutely. Like he was, he was the man. He was the guy who had brought together the the reform or the alliance or the crap or whatever the title they had that week um, <laughs> with the old PCs with Peter McKay. So you know they they had their kumbaya moment, and in December of uh, two thousand three, we had this new entity called the Conservative Party of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so like Harper was the first leader of the party. It was over 11 years, over 11 years that he was. Yeah. He ended up actually being like the sixth longest serving prime minister in Canadian history. 
which oh. wasn't too bad when you figure that's like two minority governments were rolled into that. That's true. Yeah. Um, but he was, so he was around for a long time. I mean, Peter McKay, while he may love to tout his uh, CPC founder credentials now, uh, was, you know, he, he signed over or helped sign over the PC party and then he resigned and you never heard from him. Well, he didn't, resign, he didn't resign, resign right away. Like he, he served in cabinet. He did, but I mean, like, like he, he, he didn't run in 2015 or 11 or 11. So yeah, he'd put, he stepped down before uh, the election 2011. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, this, this is one of those things that like you, you took a look at some of those key conservatives, the guys that you would have guessed that would have replaced Harper um, and I mean, it's, it's worth noting, like Harper didn't have a deputy prime minister. There hmm. was no number two. So the number two, everyone kind of speculated, like was McKay the number two? Was Jim Prentice the number two? Was Jason Kenney the number two? Uh, John Barrett? I always call Jason Kenney Harper's number two. Uh, and he might have been at some points. And then Prentice might have been at some points, like depending hmm. on the roles they held within the, uh, the cabinet. But all of them kind of left, with the exception of Kennedy, all of them left before the conservatives went away as leaders or as, as the governing party. Yes, that's right. Definitely with the exception of Kenny, because so, he didn't step down until 2016. Right. So he had won again in 2015. Harper had actually left before him. But where, where this all kind of leads is there, as much as there seemed to be at least from the outside, this unified conservative base, <laughs> it really, sh it, it seemed to demonstrate that if you had any leadership aspirations, staying in the conservative camp was not the place to be. So what do you mean in the conservative camp? Define, well, define maybe, that. Like maybe, maybe camp isn't the right word. The, right, mm. the conservative caucus wasn't the place. Oh, to okay. Be. Because I mean, really, we take a look at the, the leadership race of 2015 to replace Harper we had a laundry list of 14 people. And, and I mean, like we had milk toast, Andrew Shear and batshit crazy Maxim Bernier on the final ballot of 14. But like, you know, like Kevin O'Leary had a chance to get in there and win. We could have had our own Donald Trump moment. So, I, I mean, we, we saw the same problem um, in the leadership race for the conservatives in 2015 as we're seeing now is that, there doesn't seem to be the the heavyweights that the conservative party has all of them stepped out mm -hmm. and none of them got in. So the question is, you know, you have to ask the question, why now, if that party still has Stephen Harper dangling things and running things as he was from the conservative fund, then, you know, if you don't have the blessing of Harper, you don't run. Yeah, and there's a much smaller field this time too, which I don't know if that's weird or not. I mean, to go from having 14 or 17 people, like I don't even remember what the what the first total was. I think 14 of them made it to the actual ballot, mm -hmm. but there were more that had stepped down before it actually went. Well, O'Leary was one who technically stepped down. He was still on the ballot. He still got votes, but... Uh, but yeah, like this time they just, they had what there was Rick Peterson out of Alberta. Yeah. Who didn't make, who didn't get the signatures or money. Yeah. Um, 
Marilyn Gladue. I think those is there the one more woman? Uh, I thought there was one more. I'm going to say no. But it, yeah. it, I mean, it really doesn't matter because I wouldn't put either one of them in the heavyweights. I mean, the only other heavyweight oh, no. that um, I would have seen, uh, and it was, again, calling back to the yesteryear of PCs, was Jean Charest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and Another and, Alberta. Well, currently in Alberta. Charest in Alberta? Yeah, he works out of a law firm in Calgary. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was, but, that's why that's why I liked him actually because I was like he still has that Alberta tie, but also the Quebec yeah. tie, the yeah. East. I was like, this is he's the guy. But but yeah. again, this gets back to it's like where were the heavyweights? Like, there's no there, like I wouldn't put Aaron O'Toole as one of the heavyweights coming out of caucus, and yet yeah. he's considered you know you know it's between he's him gonna and win, McKay. yeah, <laughs> right, but. You know, and so he might have some better chops. Hopefully he's not, doesn't have a dual citizenship and a failed investor, um, broker, <laughs> insurance broker, uh, license, but whatever. Um, the whole thing is, is that we didn't see like those heavyweights that were in cabinet during the Harper government didn't put their name in. Well, technically O'Toole and McKay were both in Harper's cabinet, but, okay. but, but they, but they, I don't know. I I don't consider them to be like you said, like like those heavyweights, those those star candidates. Um, countrywide, you know, no matter what we think of him here, but I mean, he won. Uh, Jason Kenney was probably the biggest name that could have stepped in to be conservative leader. There, there, there. Of course, was rumors and speculation, but that also might have been a bunch of progressives hoping that he would leave. So, yeah, wishful <laughs> thinking. Yes, um, but I mean, you know, it's still it is absolutely a potential because with the candidates that they have put forward for this election, and it, it just it doesn't it doesn't strike me as being a winning combination for two thousand twenty or sorry, yeah, two thousand twenty three. Well. Um, I expect the, the the federal race will be twenty twenty one. Oh right, right. Minority <laughs> government. Yes, uh, <laughs> and and so you know, does the conservatives follow their typical pattern of eating their young? As soon as the, somebody fails, they go and get. They'll cause another leadership race. Of course they do. Yeah. Um, what was it? It was the tie that came out with Michael Harris. Yep. Uh, came out with that article recently that said, you know, fingers, or fingers, <laughs> Harper's fingers were all in, or all over the leadership race. And I, I don't even know if you could say that, that they can't be. Harper is the person that comes to mind when you think of the Conservative Party of Canada. Yep. Like yeah, it's, well, and it's because his, because he was the first leader, his brand superseded the Conservative brand. Mm-hmm the conservative party of Canada formed and, and we've had this conversation a number of times on this podcast in various capacities of what's the future of conservatism and conservatives haven't been able to answer that. All they've known now since 2003 is Harper's brand of conservatism, which there isn't even, you know, like, you know, is it populist? Is it SoCon? Is it a merger of the two? Like there, there, nobody can even really put a finger on what that is. To, but, to quote Harper, yeah, um, I would argue that conservatism 
is populism. That's that's what he told uh, Shapiro. Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm just saying, but that's, I believe that's his version. That's his understanding of what it is. Right. So, I mean, so, so he believes in more of a right-wing populism tied a little into social conservatism because someone's going to fund it all uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, off to the races type thing. But yeah, we, we saw in the last election that got rejected by Canadians on the most part. I mean, they'll point to go, we got more votes, but yeah, you, you clean sweep two provinces, but that's not It didn't how get you started. any more seats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you guys want to start talking proportional representation, we'll talk about how many votes you got, but that's right. not, our system doesn't work that way. So, and, and that's something that whether or not the party realizes it, which I'm guessing they don't. I was going through my emails for the leadership race and, and uh, O'Toole is going on and on about you know, Harper. And I'm like, okay, so they're still trying to capitalize on the brand that is Harper, not look at us leading the Conservative Party of Canada, or this is where I want the Conservative Party of Canada to go. It's, and Harper's with me. Yeah, well, and they're not the first Conservative Party to do that. I mean, take a look, like even post Ralph Klein PCs. Everybody, everyone wanted to be the next Ralph Klein. They all wanted to channel Ralph Klein. Hell, Jason Kenney was channeling Ralph Klein, you know, much to the chagrin of the Klein family. Um, (laughs) Like, they just want to be popular. Yeah. Like, and so it's, they don't even want to put their own stamp on things. They just want to take somebody else's stamp and get that lighter, you know, every time you hit it with the ink, it just gets lighter every time you tap it down. Yeah. That seems to be, it, they don't seem to have an original idea. So you have to go back and recycle somebody else's. And so Harper Which, isn't that far away. Since it away, worked Harper, so well for them last time, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's just. Apparently they don't learn from their mistakes either. <laughs> but, um, and, and I mean, that's, that's really what stemmed it for me. It was, the, you know, that article from Michael Harris was that it's like, here's a guy who was still involved with the conservative fund. Mm-hmm. He's the head of the international conservative movement or whatever international democratic union yeah because that totally screams a conservative (laughs) but whatever um and so he's still heavily involved i mean if he's putting uh articles in the 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 wall street journal people people are still looking to harper as the de facto conservative lead in this country i mean there was Mm -hmm. even polling before they closed the uh race for the conservatives that that Harper was still leading. Yeah. Like had Car- had Harper put his name in, he would have won the leadership <laughs> of the party he resigned from. Like when you talk to conservatives, there's a lot of conservatives who really liked Harper. Yes. You talk to a lot of progressives that really hated Harper, but mm-hmm. the conservatives liked him. And I don't know if it was because his it was his ideas or he brought the camp together or they finally got elected. Um I'm gonna all, go with all that. The above. Um so he was seen as a successful conservative. And so, you know, it's not surprising. Right. But I would also say that his fingers are through the entire party. Yeah. And that is that is problematic for a party that doesn't seem to be, uh, their trajectory is not moving towards winning. No. That's, and that's, that's where this becomes a problem. It's great if you can capitalize on a strategy and, and a brand that's actually going to allow you to win the elections. But that's not the direction they're moving in right now. It's actually that anchor that is going to drown the party. Yeah. And I mean, this, 
there, there was a real opportunity in this election or this leadership race for that maverick conservative to stand up and go, this is what we need. This is, this is what conservatism needs to look like for the next 10 years. And none of them are doing it. So no. they're going to default to Harper style conservatism, which it's, it's going to be the second stamp. It's like, you know, the fresh one was Harper. The not so fresh one was sheer. And this third iteration, you're barely going to see. And I, and you know, after this pandemic, if the, the, accusing people of trying to register horses and live off of $2,000 a month, that's not going to resonate with people and you're going to alienate more and more. So, yes. So, but, but we're, we, we saw the parallels that I saw the exact same thing when I was with the greens. Right. And, and, and it was funny being outside of it. When I think of the greens, I cannot name Although from talking to you, I can name one other leader of the Green Party. Uh, but had I, you know, if I didn't, I would only ever think of Elizabeth May. She is, you know, she is, she was able to brand herself as green, right? Well, she came from the Sierra Club. So there was no, no debating her green credentials. Her greenness. Which the greens, <laughs> the greens, like everybody else, have a purity test, and yes. that's theirs. It's how green are you? Um, <laughs> but and and there are people like if you weren't deep green, you were, you were, garbage, um, recycled maybe, but garbage. Peace suit um, green. Yeah, like it's <laughs> like there was some there were some uh, serious um, purity tests going to greens, and so. Elizabeth May passed those because here she was the former executive director of the National Sierra Club and she ran. And like in 2006, she was running against uh, David Sharashenko, who later became a, he was a candidate, high performing candidate who later became a city councilor in Ottawa. Okay. So, so it wasn't that he didn't have the chops is just, he didn't have the national um, exposure that Elizabeth did, plus David Suzuki was helping Elizabeth, so that also helped with the um, national uh, exposure. So, you know, she rightly won because that's what you would expect. But right. it quickly went from the Green Party of Canada to the Elizabeth May Party of Canada. And right. so she ran internally the same way Harper ran the Conservatives with that iron fist thou shall not, you know, speak against the leader. And I mean, to the point now, like her husband just got elected and this is where the article came out um, this last weekend as well, is that her her husband just got elected the vice president English of their federal council. Oh, so, so, I mean, they're at an age where obviously they can have independent thought. My wife and I have independent thought from each other, but, (laughs) but the, the fingers are still there. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the problem the, the, the Greens have is that, you know, they're going to elect a new leader, but everyone's going to expect that leader to be Elizabeth May. Yeah. And that, I mean, she, she ran the party for 13 years. We're, and this is where things got really squirrely. And this is the really inside ball of a small party that nobody gives a shit about. But the Greens used to have in their constitution that there should be a leadership race every two years. So, so not even, um, yeah. So it's <laughs> yes for those, for those the, just the listening. Of- there was a lot. There was a look of uh, shock. So that was that was old Green Party Canada 
policy, like pre-2006. And so on 2006, the same year that Elizabeth got elected, they changed it to every four years because it made more sense for the um, electoral cycles. Right? Yeah, because you could have a leader. But I mean, <laughs> part of it also made sense is that you're not paying anybody. Um, two years is a, is a long time to ask a volunteer to be in such a prominent role. Oh, but wait, wasn't she paid as leader before she got elected? Well, they started making some money and they had the, uh, Kretchen had put in the dollar subsidy. Oh, right. Yes. So that only came in in 04. So which coincidentally oh. was the year that Jim Harris, the previous leader of the Greens, got elected. Oh, so, right. so Jim served his two-year term. I don't think Jim actually got paid anything. If he did, it wasn't a lot. Um, and so then in 06, we had the race with Elizabeth May winning. And now we've got some funds. She's getting paid as a full-time leader, doing full-time leader work. So there's no problem with that. And they changed the mandatory race from two years to four years. So in 2010, the Greens were supposed to have a leadership race as per the Constitution. Leading up to that, their, their federal council just simply said, no, we don't think this is a good idea, so we're going to cancel that. And then they had a vote at the AGM to confirm that decision, except that's not how constitutions work. <laughs> they, they were compelled to have the race conclude at the AGM. Oh. And so so <laughs> they're just like, we're not going to hold it, and we're just going to hope that the, uh, the party agreed with us. And, and then they, they changed to the leader for life model, which much of the other parties had. But that was one of the things that made the Greens distinct was that, that there was no opportunity to create a cult of personality because that role had to be continually, like the leader had to run for re-election. Right. Like you would have as an MP or an MLA that on a set period of time, you had to run for re-election. And that was their way of doing a uh, confidence vote. Which, I mean, that makes, that makes sense as well. I, like, I don't, it's not that I dislike it. I actually kind of like the idea of it in a, in a third party uh, or fourth or whatever. I kind of like it for a smaller party where you're moving people around and, and in a way to avoid becoming a victim, to have the party become a victim of that cult of personality. Yeah, because, because, I mean, you saw it with uh, the ADQ uh, in Quebec. Um, the CAQ? Um, no, ADQ. Their um, uh, Action Democratic, uh, whatever it was, Mark something. Um, he was the leader, elected a bunch of um, their members of the National Assembly, MAs. Uh, but as soon as he stepped down, the party disappeared. The for a small party, if you, you build it around a person, then you run into the situation where when that person leaves, the party suffers. And I would even say the federal greens, which already suffered with Elizabeth May's membership uh, um, entrance and leadership, because you can see that in the, in the polling numbers, the greens have not, not really exceeded the success they had in 06. Right. And, now, and it's been kind of like they kind of peaked up a little in 08. So uh, in 2018, there was an opportunity for the Greens to peak a little bit. How so? 
I don't know. In like, it, well, just no, it throw was these just, random statements out, man. I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> no, um, okay. So actually, I guess it was 20. It was it was 2018, 2019. It just seemed like there was, uh, you know, the the liberals were kind of with their carbon tax and things like that. They kind of opened up uh, so some some of the stage space for the Green Party. And it seemed like they were capitalizing, that they were managing to capitalize on, you know, what they were being offered through the federal government, just because the the policies matched things that they wanted to do. So it sort of seemed to me that in 2018 into 2019, that Elizabeth May and the Green Party had these clusters of support that the polling numbers were showing they're going to actually get, you know, they're going to be able to reach party status within the federal government because it looked like they were going to possibly hit two-digit uh, seats. Yeah, but but the, and, but the the problem with the Greens, and it's been since Elizabeth took over, and in, in fact probably gotten worse, is that they're a mile wide and half an inch deep. They're not even right. an inch deep. They're half an inch deep. They, they've got the support on Vancouver Island where they have their two of their seats, Mm-hmm. And then they have one in Fredericton where, you know, overlaps with the one green MLA. And that's been it. Like there hasn't been a, uh, a growth of the organization because the, the, the organization's always been, let's, let's get Elizabeth elected. Right. So, so that's when it stopped being the green party and let's elect green ML or MPs. And it became the, the Elizabeth May party. Right. And, and I remember sitting on federal council in 08 and one of the other counselors had actually said, we're the greens are done. We're now the Elizabeth May party of Canada. Mm. And that was in 08. So, I mean, like 12 years later, <laughs> nothing's changed except now Elizabeth's gone. And so the greens, you know, they're lucky that a guy like Glenn Murray is putting his name forward because the rest of that pack are failed candidates and leaders of provincial parties that haven't elected anybody. Mm. And that's, if, if that's not demonstrating national exposure, that's taken the party back to 04 when nobody's ran for the party and tried to do what they could. Right. And I think too, that, uh, that was the other thing that, that seemed to show a bit of, a bit of an increase in support for greens was they were being elected, uh, well in BC, right. So 2017, three of them managed to get elected and become the kingmakers. I'll go one further and they are the official opposition in PEI. Yeah. That's in what I mean. Like government. It, yeah. It's sort of, it, it sort of went across the country where suddenly it seemed like green MLAs were being elected provincially. So it, it just, it, it felt but, like there was something kind of coming that the green party federally could have capitalized on and, massively failed to well i think part of it also goes into the uh the weakening of the ndps so i mean even though john horgan did a good job you know i don't know how strong the ndp in bc is but enough that probably some of those supporters moved green there um new brunswick the, the ndp is like almost non-existent i don't think they even elected anybody so the fact that the greens have an mla and they don't talks about the, mm. the, the weakness. Same with uh, PEI, not a strong NDP threshold anymore. 
And so this goes back to even an article that I'm going to say maybe Aaron Wheely or um, Andrew Coyne wrote. Somebody wrote it. I'm pretty sure it was in McLean's last year before the election is that the Greens and the New Democrats should really just come together and just rebrand themselves as the Green Democrats. It just can't be led by Elizabeth May or um, Jagmeet Singh. Right. Jagmeet, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so... It's, it's that cult of personality and both the Conservatives and the Greens, as much as Elizabeth May despises Harper, she, she did the exact same thing with the Greens that Harper did with the Conservatives, is that her brand superseded the parties. Yeah. And now I'm also, as we're coming back to, as we're coming back to Alberta, I did double check on the min, the number of years that, that these leaders were, or that these leaders led the party. So you said Elizabeth May was 13 years. Uh, Harper's, Harper was 12 years. And so Klein and Lougheed, Klein was 14. And so was Lougheed. So that, I mean, as much as, and this is different, of course, in Alberta, because we've had long running governments until recently. Uh, so it, you know, the PC party was in place for 44 years. So yes, they're going to go through a couple of leaders or they should, should or shouldn't. I mean, Ralph Klein and Peter Lougheed obviously were very popular leaders, because they did manage to maintain power for more than one election. Uh, I guess that's what you want to do, but I, I don't know. Is that, was that branded into the PC party? I mean, it's the party of Lougheed, I guess. Well, Many of us think of it that way. Like we said with Harper, um, winning has its advantages. Mm. So, you know, he didn't win in 06, but he won in 8 and 11 and then lost in 15. And that's when he stepped down. Right. So, you know, same, same could be said with uh, Lougheed. I'm not old enough to remember or wasn't in Alberta on why he stepped down. Um, <laughs> Klein was pushed yeah. hard. <laughs> you know, you, you show up to a uh, leadership review and your sitting uh, premier gets a 55%. Um, that's a big fuck you. <laughs> um, and, but rightly so, maybe, you know, because, I mean, there were a lot of people at that point were like, <laughs> dude's run of ideas. Like, he's just cutting everybody a check right now. Like, you know, maybe we could have put it into the Heritage Fund or rebuilt <laughs> schools or like it just, there just seemed to be a, a absence of things. Yeah. So, I mean, there was kind of a push, but I mean, and this is where the downfall of the PCs, in my opinion, really started was that they pushed him out and then it became this toxic, nobody knew how long you were going to be in. You know, Stelmac wins, they go after him. Redford wins, they go after her. Like, it's just this continual eating of their young as soon as they, they don't get the results that they want, even though they mm -hmm. were still winning with these. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely, but I mean, that there's definitely a brand things there. And even we talked about it with Max um, a couple episodes ago was that even the NDP in Alberta have got a cult of personality right now with um, Notley. Oh, her, yeah. brand, her brand is way bigger than that of the NDP. That's and right. So, uh, you know, like if, if, and when she steps down, are they still going to be able to hold, you know, 24 seats? Probably not. Mm. That's a good point is that we're actually watching that um, after, after her election, because I, I think I did recognize, like I recognized her name. I realized that, you know, there was history 
of the Notley name in Alberta and in the Alberta NDP. But again, kind of, you know, couldn't really, couldn't have named any of their leaders. Rachel Notley, no one has a problem remembering that she was the leader of, and still is the leader of the NDP. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to watch that, the, the potential for it to happen right now. And, you know, a party doesn't, I mean, it does, yes, there's always a choice, but when they're winning, it seems like a good idea to not do what the PC party did and go after their leaders when they're winning. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, I, I remember reading one of the books on Kretchen, and Kretchen's plan was only to do two terms. Mm. And then a bunch of the Martin folk were counseling and whatever and he basically turned to his wife and it's like um honey i've gotta and she just looked at him and it's like go ahead like you know it was an agreement but it's like it was like a no fuck you i'm gonna i'm going to do this for one more term just because you guys are now trying like i already told you i'm out after two yeah you're getting you're getting chomping at the bit here and a little antsy so we're going to teach you all a lesson and i'm the sitting pre, uh, prime minister and i'm popular so fuck off <laughs> and and so you know you know when you win you ha- you have that advantage mm-hmm. but i mean like like we talked about with max um right now the ndp brand is not electable again in this province right and so they're they're hanging on to that Notley brand. I mean, hell, they put it all over the signs. I mean, there was there was no it was Team Notley. There was no NDP uh, running in yeah. 2019. And so, what happens in 2023? Like that brand, her brand isn't going to get stronger. But it's true. Yeah, because it was very very strong. Yeah, and people and, didn't reject the NDP because of Rachel Notley. They rejected them despite the fact that Rachel Notley was leader. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, you know, there, there was conservatives who saw Notley as a competent leader. And I mean, there was polling that came out that people would still prefer today to have Notley leading this versus Kenny, but it's, they, they want Notley leading the UCP government. They don't right. want, they don't want <laughs> Notley leading an NDP government. No. Um, so that tells you your personal brand's bigger than the, uh, the party. Yeah. And I would say the same thing with the UCP right now It's like, there, there was a general push to elect conservatives in this province and, and it was all around like, and it's been the same mantra. It's, Oh, we just need a strong leader to, you know, they, they put everybody put that on the horse called Jim Prentice in 2015 and previous, you know, we need these white knights come from Ottawa and save us from ourselves. And, <laughs> Show and us so, how to really manage the economy. Yeah. And so Kenny is there now. And right now Kenny's brand where maybe the better way to put it is the UCP brand is tied to Kenny, much like the federal conservative brand is tied to Harper, which isn't surprising because who was part of one of Harper's disciples. Right. Oh, and Harper, Harper was, was he not door knocking for Kenny in the last election? Well, it was more or other conservatives. He, he wanted to make sure Sandra Jensen wasn't going to be his MLA. So That's he actually right. vowed, he vowed that he was going to door knock to uh, replace. Like, and it also helps that Sonia Savage was uh, friends of the Harper family. So, and that was where they were all running. So coincidences, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's, but right now I would say the, the UCP, that's their, that's going to be their biggest long-term challenge. I mean, if Kenny can get his numbers back up after this pandemic, 
<laughs> that yeah if um, <laughs> if if they can do something to get the economy going, you know, hopefully Biden changes his mind or something uh, on a pipeline that we just threw a billion and a half dollars into, um, you know, a bunch of ifs. But 2023, if he wins, then you know, there's there's no reason to get rid of Kenny because the the mantra is like you win, you you kind of hold the seat down. Mm-hmm. But and especially like if he's built the UCP, much like Harper built the federal conservatives, his fingers are through it all, which everybody says his fingers are through it all. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's Kenny has, I think Kenny has run the UCP. I think he's run the UCP as tightly as Harper ran the CPC. Yeah. And I think looking at the MLAs that are currently elected, I do not see a person who could take over if they had another leadership race or if, if Kenny stepped down, I don't see a, I don't see any of them being able to do what Kenny did for the UCP in the last election. No. And, and what you'd likely see in a UCP, uh, subsequent UCP leadership race is that, stamp of who's who's the second generation Kenny who's going to be this province's Andrew Shear well and I mean those are littered throughout the uh party there mm-hmm. our Peace River Peace River Peace Central Peace Notley mm, I think it's the MLA for Central Peace Notley and also uh you're talking Dan Williams yes Dan Peace Williams River. and Peace Joseph River. Peace River okay yeah that was right um and also uh, like Joseph Shaw, those are, those are, I think, Kenny prodigies. That's why they're there. Yep. And yet neither of them, I don't believe would be able to like come up and, and actually manage to do what Kenny did in a, as a, as a leader. No. And so electorally. I, yeah. Like they're not even sitting in cabinet at this point. So you know, for them to throw their names into the hat, you would really need to have the Kenny machine say, you know, this is, this is our next candidate type. But I mean, like, you know, if I, if I were a betting man, I mean, you'd you'd count on Jason Nixon throwing his name in. Oh, for sure. But I just don't see, I don't see Nixon being able to win over, but then, I mean, does that matter in Alberta? But but again, you know, (laughs) That just puts that just puts J, uh, Jason Nixon into the Andrew Shear campaign because it's he's got enough to go and win conservatives over, but not the province. Uh, yes, and and you know it it's going to be because I mean he's a big loud boorish individual which goes over well in conservative circles, but not not any of the others. And right. you know the only difference is is that in Alberta the conservative circles are a little bigger. That's true. Than in Canada. But would that be enough to shrink those circles? Because again, they'll start getting into the purity test. How good of a conservative are you? You hear it already in the federal conservative race. You mm-hmm. know, us red Tories are, are just, you know, liberals in hiding. <laughs> oh, no, and they are ensuring be, we have nothing to vote for. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I might not be a liberal or in the hiding, but you sure as hell making it easier and easier for me to consider voting liberal. Right. <laughs> And then it's, you yeah. know, it's a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. It's like, see, all these red Tories are actually liberals. It's like, no. <laughs> oh, 
bunch of boobs and <laughs> vote for you. There's just no way I can vote for your party, buddy. Like, yeah. mm. yes. Yeah. What a, I, that leadership, oh, that leadership race is just such a joke. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, and at this point, it's really just take them out back and just shoot it like an Indian. Yeah. Like the I, race, I think it's, the race it's is a joke. For... The current leadership is a joke. What's going to happen after this is going to be a joke. Like they, they just are. <laughs> that's like they, they, they want to be third place party at this yeah. point. And and they're. I think that I think that's a trajectory that they are headed for. Uh, the, Minimally, the way, yeah. Well, unless it implodes, which I also see. If the if the greens the greens and the NDP actually got their collective shit together and and merged and stopped splitting that hard left vote, mm -hmm. and Glenn Murray could do it, I'm assuming. Um, then, <laughs> then yeah, like there's a there's a risk that conservatives could be sitting. You know, they'll they'll elect their you know thirty some out of Alberta and fourteen out of uh, Saskatchewan, and then what? Like. <laughs> The little party on the prairies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that whole idea that you want a leader who can, you know, bring awareness to your party, bring uh, something to the brand of the party. But how do you manage to not end up with a leader who takes over the brand of the party? And I mean, if, if, if the CPC were to implode, and I think that that's the tra trajectory that the UCP is definitely on, whether they're going to manage to get there as quickly as the CPC, I don't know. But I see the CPC hitting that after the next election when they don't manage to increase their vote share, their seats. Yeah, yeah no, the next, the next leader is set up for failure. Yeah. Um, and until the until the federal conservatives figure out what it means to be a conservative um, in this era, that's the trajectory. <laughs> they know on. what a conservative looks like from last century. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I think the same problem is going to hit Alberta. Like you don't get into a toe to toe fight with the doctors and win that one. Not during a pandemic. And yeah. And some very bad decisions. Yeah. And so people like. There, there's going to be the natural lean towards austerity, which has been proven time and time again across the planet that it doesn't work. Right. So where, you know, I know you want to be fiscally prudent, but at some point people are going to start <laughs> revolting because it's like uh, my doctor just moved to New Zealand. Yeah. Well, and I and moved to New Zealand with my doctor. Like, So it just came out that these grant applications that have been open in Alberta since January. They closed on like May 14th or something or May 15th and they just decided, oh no, we can't afford these grants anymore. So they just canceled $2 million in grants for arts and sports funding for, uh, you know, low-income Albertans. Uh, they said they needed it for the pandemic response for COVID-19. Two million dollars, okay? So they're taking two million dollars from underprivileged families in Alberta oh. right after they just sent a check to TC Energy for 1.5 billion. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't well, see. I, I'm not, even, I'm not, even, I'm not even going to get into the 1.5 <laughs> billion uh, for the TC because it's two different parts of the um, ledger. 
investments I know versus it operation. Is. But I know. Well, let, let's just focus on the operational <laughs> side. And it's like, we just took $2 million away from, from funding. For privileged families. Privileged for underprivileged families. But we're going to take that $2 million because the premier's office needs all those people who we're not sure what the hell they're doing. And I'm not going to rant on this for half an hour, but when, what, when what the speech the, writer, the when the speech writer, 2.9 million or something like that for the entire staff. But, but I mean, the speech writer for Kenny is getting paid the exact same money as the speech writer for Obama got. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not even in the same universe. <laughs> I mean, Kenny does good speeches, but the thing that I actually find interesting is that uh, Jason Kenny, to the best of my knowledge, I always kept hearing how he wrote all of his own speeches. Well, then that's even less money that we need to be paying this guy. But right. anyway, we digress. It just, yeah. It, but yeah, no. And I mean, how does a party avoid it? I mean, maybe the Greens had it right is that you have regular races, not regular reviews. Because I mean, look at look at the Klein days. You know, if Klein was having to walk into another a leadership race every few years, oh yeah, he uh, wouldn't have made it through. Well, he well he would have just simply said, you know what, I'm tired. I don't want to do another race. But I mean, that allows for constant party renewal. So if I was a small party, I would be implementing that. Even if you had a a solid leader get them back out there, get them back out selling memberships, getting back out there, connecting with potential candidates and donors and the like, because, and if they've got the advantage because it's a paid role versus somebody coming in as a volunteer, so be it. But, but I mean, that also opens up the opportunity that if you're a small town city mayor or a business person, and this is something you are striving for. Now, you know, there's an opportunity. You're not sitting waiting going, well, you know, are they going to step down? Yeah. Can we push them out? It's maybe cleaner. Even. Yeah. Yeah. No. And <laughs> you know, makes for a more transparent process. But when it comes to leadership, it's got to be more than just the leader, and it's got to be about the team that's working with that leader as well. And so, let me kind of jump back into my Alberta Party days. I was on the campaign trail with Stephen Mandel in this last election quite a bit. And what I was seeing from him time and time again is it wasn't just about him. He was very strong about introducing the team. And so every event he was highlighting the candidates he had with him and he was out doing the events. And so, I mean, you see that with all the leaders that they're out doing events, but that was just something that really struck me as unique was that Stephen was really wanting to grab that um, 1970 um, Peter Lougheed wandering up the steps of uh, the legislature and that was that team behind him and so it's more than just finding that one leader but finding a leader who can um, bring a team behind them well and that i guess that is one way to avoid becoming a, a a cult of personality but is that something well Actually, no, that is, there's, there's no way around it. That is the way to build a strong brand is to ensure that people know the brand, not necessarily, uh, you do need to know who the leader is, but to make it more about the party branding rather than your own personal branding. But I do realize the benefit that brings to the parties, obviously that brings them a lot, 
but we've already seen how detrimental it could be. Is there a, is there a, a less recent, did you happen to notice, or is there anything that kind of comes to mind when you're thinking of like federally, I can't think of anyone else that kind of had that, that personality issue. Like, like the, the brand was big, the, the personal brand was bigger. Yeah. Oh, Jack Layton. Totally. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's Layton, right. Like the, I, I loved Jack Layton and had no idea what the NDP was about. Yeah. I loved Jack. The liberals seem to run the counter to that is that, um, that there are partisans who get involved, but then they get grumpy when their leader gets grumpy and then they back away. And so others take it like, <laughs> like that there's been the constant fights within the leader, the, the liberals, like you heard about, you know, Turner versus Kretchen and Kretchen versus Martin and, and uh, Ignatieff versus Ray. And but like it just this continual two or three bodies uh, in a continual spat. And some, some of those individuals who are backing one horse would back off. Like I remember even reading Warren Kinsella's stuff about how he was such a pro uh, Kretchen guy. Like he worked mm. on Kretchen's campaign, but was so pissed off with Mar- Martin that he didn't get involved. And then, oops, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, that was the mistake he, I can't remember which book he wrote it in, but that was the one, one of the comments he made was that he bought into the Kretchen brand before the liberal brand, even though he right. was, he ran as a liberal and been a liberal, but because he let that, that cult of personality kind of get in front of the partisanship, he, he recognized that by backing off and not supporting the team first, the team lost. And so, okay, maybe you taught the Martin people a lesson, but now you're all sitting <laughs> on the outside. Yeah. But you also lost government. So. Yeah. And I would say the same thing with the, the, the PCs. You know, that was part of the reason why Kenny came back to unite the conservatives is that at one point, part of the team just said, we can't back the leaders anymore. We're going to go elect our own. And they were called the Wild Rose. That's true. Well, and... Like, I don't know. I think the PCs, yet they didn't seem to manage this as much federally. Although they were, I think they had about 50 plus years is, is how often they've been elected uh, since Canada became a country. I, I know that because. Um, so they, they did have success. Obviously, the, the Liberals did have more wins. Um, and it wasn't every 50 years. I mean... No, 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 no. Like well, they have one in the eighties, and no, no. But they have fifty years. Like they have a little. They've got more than fifty years of governing. Like that they had. Oh, oh, one, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah not as not, not as many as yeah. So yes, they not as many as the liberals, but it's you know, uh, it just might be that Canada's more liberal than conservative, maybe. Um, but the thing is too that I think they struggle at the party level between getting that big name and having that brand ambassador and what happens or sorry and and the the tipping point where they become the full brand ambassador and it no longer means the party doesn't mean the same thing without them right well I think, I think you've got, like, whether it's federal or provincial, you've always got that core base of people who are going to vote for the brand regardless of who's leading it. True. Those are your true partisans. Like, you yeah. just know that they're, they're going to take a sign. It doesn't matter what the name is. 
they donate uh, and the like, and that they're the true partisans. And then there's the people who come to the party because of who's leading it. Mm-hmm. And, but, yeah. they're, but they're not, for lack of better terms, reliable because they may donate to this leader, but not to the next one. Mm-hmm. So the partisans are the only ones you can really count on. Mm-hmm. And apparently, as far as the federal CPC goes, the partisans are also Harper supporters, which is why you see them invoking Harper's name whenever they've got these leadership races. It's I, I'm, I'm the Harper guy here. Past glory. Like, I mean, really, you know, who was, who was the only other, like, who was the last conservative to form a government before Harper? Uh, there, there was a little bit of a lag. Um, <laughs> His first name's Brian. Ah, Mulroney. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, like, that's, that's what conservatives got to pull on is that, you know, do they, do they, do they call up the spirit of Harper? Did they call up the spirit of Mulroney? Well, there's, there's a ton of conservatives who don't remember Mulroney. They just, it was too Definitely long not ago. the new ones. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the ones that do, if you're in Alberta, the name Mulroney, what does that bring to mind? A bumper sticker that says tax this, Brian. Uh, well, yeah, with the G- with the whole GST. Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. So. So he's, he's not the one that they can really pull from because well, he, he made people pay for stuff. Well, Alberta's always had an issue with Eastern leaders. So, yes. <laughs> so, I well, mean, I if you're going to, if you're going to keep going back, then the next one outside of Harper, coincidentally an Eastern leader, but they keep forgetting that, uh, <laughs> is, um, chief, thief, thief, the chief. Who? Ethan Baker. Oh my gosh. From Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Okay, yeah. All right. I can see where they were thinking, (laughs) we need to do something here. (laughs) We need to be able to form government. But they definitely chose the wrong path, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they they did get, they got a bit of a run, but it just, it didn't, it didn't fly outside of those conservative circles, those partisan conservative circles. Yeah. And and this goes back to the conservatives. The conservatives are going to have to rebrand. Um, and it's going to, and unfortunately it's going to take a cult of personality to rebrand the entire party. You're going to have to have, and it's not a Harper 2.0. It's not a Mulroney 2.0. It's going to be somebody's name 1.0 is going to yeah, have yeah. to be, you know, be it the, you know, the, the MP Jack from, Layton, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and if it's the MP from Oklahoma or, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody who's got their own reality show or whatever it is. Um, who comes in and says, this is what the next generation of conservative needs to look like. And I'm willing to die on that hill. Then Mm -hmm. that, and, and unfortunately then the next cult of personality forms, but hopefully that person is opening the door behind them for team members to, because that's the only way you can sustain. Like like if the federal conservatives want their one, they're going to need to have the cult form behind a new leader who can actually grow the brand. And yeah. two, you have to have a leader who's willing to grow the team with the brand that if they step away, it stays. Because that's the only way you have a, a, any type of long-term conservative government. That's right. Because that was the other thing about Harper's stepping down is that it didn't seem like there was, there was no, there was Natural. no transition plan. Yeah. No, like, like everybody's already lined up that Trudeau, when Trudeau steps down, not if, but when Trudeau steps yeah. down, uh, Christia Friedland. 
is is it like yeah. people are like she's she's the uh you know the deputy prime minister she's doing all these things she's got you know she's got ties into everywhere in the province she was previously working with the trump administration she's doing all those things people aren't even blinking it's that true. this is the national successor like we already kind of know, like, obviously there'll be other people who put their name in because the liberal brand is, is going to, you know, potentially you could be the next prime minister. So obviously right. there's going to be some people who put their name for it other than her, which would be a shock if she doesn't. Mm-hmm. But you're not looking at the conservative brand going, well, they're a solid number two. Yeah, no. Like there was no solid number two behind behind sheer nobody nobody was looking at the team going and sheer yet yeah. <laughs> they all well, nobody, nobody looked at sheer as the solid number two behind kent or behind harper so yeah for some reason they just thought they'd win that's and that's the thing that's why there's no transition <clears throat> there was no transition plan in place uh there was nobody although i must say peter mckay did announce i believe two weeks before the federal election that he would be running to replace Andrew Shear. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was his, that. <laughs> his, his comms team was brutal. Oh. Their, their strategy team is worse. <laughs> yeah. And now I think he's being punished for it. Um, possibly. I mean, that's, that again, that goes back to the uh, Michael Harris article is that Harper made a point of keeping uh, Sheree out and uh, is going mm-hmm. after uh, McKay. So, and basically is going after anyone who could take a first vote and end up giving it to Peter McKay. Yeah. Because the, like, that's, that's why Peter McKay doesn't win because Leslin Lewis and Derek Sloan are purposefully there to pull that. So cred, so cred, <laughs> um, so con vote. <laughs> so cred also fits. <laughs> also. Yeah. Um, to pull that. So con vote and then give it to Andrew Sh- or, <laughs> oh well yeah see it doesn't even matter who is Aaron O'Toole yeah Aaron O'Toole yeah. give it to Aaron O'Toole so that's like it's it is it's this kind of interesting little setup see, that I'm I'm gonna be against it I'm going Derek Sloan on the first ballot and Peter McKay on the second <laughs> just to mess with everybody yeah you may as well <laughs> Have some fun with it. There's only four. Yeah. I mean, last time it was harder because there were 14, and it's like, ah, I have to go through a lot of people to leave Maxime Bernier off my can, list. Can we can we write in like Kermit the Frog is <laughs> a third or something? So. <laughs> Don't spoil the ballot. Uh, no, I think that's a fantastic. <laughs> they'll be, list they'll be spoiled as soon as they get printed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have some fun with this. I'm actually kind of glad it doesn't end until August. Oh God, are they even having a debate? Uh, yes, there's supposed to be a debate online somewhere. I, I should maybe open up more of those emails, actually. I, I should resubscribe to them, but I just couldn't be bothered, so I made them all go away. Yeah, yeah. No, you got to read them once in a while. Maybe there's something important in there. We just will wait to a lockdown happy hour, and we'll get Kristen Rayworth to do another dramatic reading, and that'll be yes. So, And actually, that is this weekend. Lockdown yes. happy hour on the 23rd is with uh, Donal O'Bearn and uh, Chris, uh, Kristen, Kristen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's funny that you screwed up Kristen's name. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably because I was putting more thought into how do I say O'Bearn. Uh, anyways. But yeah, so we've got them this weekend and definitely going to talk some more uh, federal leadership race because it's 
funny. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it, Mark. I think we learned good. something today. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we made it through anyways. Yes. All right. We will, I guess, join us again for Thursday's episode whatever that is we're not we don't know about that one yet but we know that there will be a lockdown happier hour at 3 p.m on saturday may 23rd yep. on facebook facebook live share with friends and family make sure that people are uh, listening to the content you're enjoying as well yeah awesome thanks mark Alrighty. bye you can find us on twitter at political rnd at mitchell underscore ab and at ab mark taylor <laughs>